Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Some of God's most beautiful miracles and greatest work is especially evident in the aftermath of our darkest and most painful experiences. After the dark days of the crucifixion of Jesus, light breaks forth in His resurrection. After hurt is healing, after brokenness is mending, after death is life. Through this series, we are learning to pay attention to how God is moving and growing our faith in and for the aftermath. Well, good morning, church. That's good to hear. Now, we have crowd mics, so y'all are making a lot of people online jealous right now. Because uh, you're not quite in the room. And for those of you who are watching online, uh, we can't wait till you're able to be here too. Or for those of you guys, since all this is happening, like I think we have people like even watching in like other countries. So that's pretty cool that God is using uh, this church. Can you just give God a shout of praise one more time because I need to hear it. Well, this is weird. This, this whole thing is weird. Even uh, like this morning, I walked by uh, uh, somebody that was hosting back there in the back, and I, wa- I walked in, I said, welcome to weird church today, because it just feels so different. But <sighs> is anybody like me, like you've, you've gone through, you've literally gone through phases. Like that's a word that we're hearing a lot, right? Like, like in North Carolina, if you're in North Carolina, we're in, I guess it's phase two right now. But I've had phases throughout this thing. And, can I, and I've been reflecting on those phases over the last couple of weeks. And, and I, even, I even, I had a enjoy it phase. I really did. Like when this first started, there was, there was a lot like, I enjoy this to a degree. It's good to be home with my family. And, and we're, we seem to like our pace just kind of slowed a little bit. Next thing I know, like we're, our family was gathering around a table in our house having a meal that we cooked. And it's foreign for a lot of us. And we seemed like we were rested a little bit and, you know, had some extra time together. But enjoy it phase quickly went to tolerate it phase. Anybody with me in the room? Amen. Like somewhere along the way, you cross the threshold of enjoy it to tolerate it. Like, I, I, I don't really like this anymore, but I'm okay. I understand it. I want to protect people. I'm not enjoying it anymore, but I can tolerate it. Well, I've gone from enjoy it to tolerate it. Now I'm in over it. Anybody, anybody else in, the, in over it? If, 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 okay. And if, if you're online, just let us know which phase you're in. Because if you're still enjoying it, you need to see a doctor. <laughs> and I'm not sure for COVID, but like for some mental stuff, because I don't know. But I'm in, I'm in over it. And, as, and, and everybody kind of agrees that, but, but over it is dangerous. Because I'm in that phase right now where like I'm, I'm over it. And every conversation about this, it ends. And if I've, heard, if I've said that once, I've said it a thousand times. If I've heard it said to me once, I've heard it said a thousand times. Even this morning, as people were coming in and I'm having conversations, Pastor Matt, I'm, I'm just over it. 
and I want to hug you and high five you. And I can't do that. And I'm over it. And right now as a church, we're in this space where we're having to make decisions. And it's a challenge. Because where two or three are gathered, tons of opinions are there also. And, And you're trying to navigate all this stuff. But I feel myself sliding into the BC mat, the before Christ mat. You you got a BC version of you? Does the BC version of you ever threaten to come out like the Hulk in certain seasons? Because what I've discovered is all my life, I cannot stand to be told what to do. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? I just, I don't like to be told, and it doesn't even matter if it's good, if it's right. I don't like to be told what to do. And I think part of the reason why we're over it is because that spirit is still in a lot of us. Like somebody could say, go, go pick up that $1,000. Don't tell me what to do. Because it really doesn't even matter what it is. There's something in our spirit that's just, we don't like to be told what to do. And I find myself in this dangerous place where some of the things that I want to do, I'm having to ask why. Because you know, the why behind the what is really important. Come on, somebody. The the reason behind what you do matters. The attitude that's driving the action is important. And it's very important to God. I think Jesus made it very clear that he cares just as much about the attitude behind the action as he does the action itself. You with me? Say amen. When when they came to Jesus and they asked Jesus, Jesus, what's the greatest law in all of the commandments? Like, what's what's, what's the important ones? As if Jesus was going to say, whichever one you want. But do you remember what Jesus said? If you grew up in church at all, you've heard this at some point or another, that Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That if this becomes the thing you decide to keep, that everything else will be okay. And essentially what Jesus is saying is, if you are driven by love for God and love for people, that if that becomes the driving force in your life, if that becomes your story's motivator, then everything will be okay that the attitude behind the action is just as important to God as the action itself. And so as we're deciding what to do as a church, as I'm making decisions, as, as Ashley and I are making decisions even for our family, I have to constantly check myself and make sure that that defiant spirit in me is not becoming the driving force behind what I'm doing. Because if I'm not careful I can be much more driven by an attitude of defiance than out of a spirit of obedience. Are you with me? I hope this is making sense. That is so easy in the aftermath to allow our attitude to go sideways and start reacting out of an attitude of defiance instead of responding in a spirit of obedience. Listen to me, lean in, everybody look at me. Now, I'm not saying there will be times when obedience requires defiance. Are you with me? 
There will be times that in living out our obedience and living out our faith and living out our commitment to Jesus that we will have to be defiant in certain ways. But defiance is never the goal. Defiance can never be the driving force. That if obedience leads to defiance, that's one thing. But just living out of pure defiance itself is not God-honoring, it is not people-loving. And what I'm worried is, what I'm watching happen, because I'm feeling it in my own spirit, that a lot of the things that we're doing right now, and a lot of the arguing that we're having right now, I want us just to look at ourselves and think about the thing. Because see, sometimes I have to realize what I want to do is not what I should do. Anybody else with me? That what I want to do and what I should do are not always aligned. And then you get in this space where you're not, you don't, you're not really sure about what you should do. Anybody else in that space right now that you kind of go back and forth about what you should do, what you shouldn't do, what's right, what's not right, what's safe, what's unsafe? What's the, and so then when, that is uns, when what you should do is uncertain, what you want to do will want to eat it alive. Because I'm at this point where, can I be honest with y'all? Y'all know I'm going to be. I don't, I've had moments this week, I don't care what you think. I don't want to hear your opinion. It doesn't matter to me anymore. I just want to do what I want to do, and if you don't like it, <laughs> those people are kind of like, I'm glad I got a preacher that's just like me. <laughs> and here's the thing. I know that's not good. I know that's not healthy. I know that, most importantly, I know that's not like Jesus. Because when Jesus walked on this earth, he had the power to do whatever he wanted to do. He had the power when he was on the cross and people were spitting at him and laughing at him and treating him in ways that none of us have ever been treated, he had, the, he had the full power of the entire universe at his disposal. You don't think when they were beating Jesus with that whip, he didn't want to strike them with a lightning bolt? Maybe just a little bit, I don't know. But what we want to do and what we should do are not always the same thing. And what I've learned is only in the aftermath of obedience can we really do something great. That when, when my life has been driven by defiance, in the aftermath of defiance, I have most, most of the scars on my body because somebody looked at you and said, Matt, bet you won't do it. Bet I will because I'm that stupid. In this rebellious spirit, and when, when, when Jesus takes up shop in our lives, and we declare him as Lord. Everything we do should be driven by obedience. And when that obedience requires defiance, that's one thing. 
But I just wonder if a lot of the things that we're wanting to do right now and a lot of the pushback we're having is more just because we don't want to be told what to do and we just want to react with an attitude of defiance instead of live out and walk in a spirit of obedience. And I've had to check that a lot this week because I read the things that you read and I see the things that you see and I just want to... I just want to react. And if there's one thing that I see, this church was, it, this church was built on, on wanting to see God move the way he moved in Acts. And if there's one thing I see about the church leaders in the book of Acts is they never allowed themselves to be driven by anything other than obedience. It was constant. Everything they did was out of pure, love-driven obedience to God. And it's why the church flourished. It's why it expanded. It's why it just exploded in the New Testament. That, that these men and women who were the first to kind of carry the torch of leadership in the movement of God. And even in the face of persecution, they were never allowed. They never allowed themselves to just react in defiance. They constantly walked with this unwavering obedience, even when it led to, led to unwanted consequence. They constantly walked in unwavering obedience, even when it led to unwanted consequence. And that's another thing you need to know. In the aftermath of obedience, it doesn't always go well. Amen, somebody. See, I think we, we, we think, well, if I'm just obedient to God all the time, my life will be great. Because <laughs> sometimes unwavering obedience leads to unwanted consequence. Grab your Bible, go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. If you want to go ahead and hold your place, I'm going to get to verse 25 in just a minute. But to me, what happens in Acts chapter 16 is such an example of what I'm trying to articulate to you today. Paul has found Jesus. And if you don't know Paul's story, he started out doing everything he could to eliminate the movement that Jesus started. He was there overseeing, championing, celebrating Stephen when he was stoned, the first person to give their lives for the move of Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Paul's walking down a road one day and Jesus shows up in his life and he goes from movement stopper to movement elevator. He, he becomes like this driving force in the church and everywhere he goes he makes it his mission to see people know Jesus and find Jesus and he would go from town to town and plant churches and then he would raise up leaders and those churches would flourish and in Acts chapter 16 is where the church in Philippi is born. Paul one day is just walking around planning to go pray and he encounters a woman named Lydia. And the Bible says that she was a dealer in purple cloth. She was a fashion designer. And if you don't know anything about that period of time, purple was the most difficult color to make. And so it would have been the most expensive garments you could buy would be the color purple. And he has a conversation with Lydia. And Lydia knows about God, but now she learns about Jesus. And through this conversation with Paul and Silas and Luke and these, these guys that were spreading the gospel in Philippi, she meets Jesus and she brings them back to her house. And they preach the gospel to her home and her family. And they all get to know Jesus. And all of a sudden, this thing is starting to move in Philippi. A movement of God is growing in this city. 
And Paul's walking around, and all of a sudden, this young girl, who the Bible says has got some kind of spirit, starts going around yelling about Paul and his friends. She was enslaved by a group of men that were using her gift because it was said that she could predict the future and have all these kind of insights into these things. And so she recognizes Paul for who he is and says, these men are going around teaching the gospel, showing you how to get saved. And she was just following them around, shouting about this, shouting, shouting, shouting constantly. And finally, Paul looks around and says, demon, come out. And the demon leaves this girl And the guys who owned her are now upset because their ability to make money off of her has now shifted. And they go and stir up trouble for Paul and his friends. Say, look, these guys are causing all kinds of trouble. They're going around preaching this thing about this God. And they're really just mad because they lost their income because a girl who was once having issues has now found Jesus and found healing and getting to know what she is and who she is in Christ. But they cause enough trouble for Paul and his friends that they end up in jail. And that's where we find them. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25. So Paul's obedience has now put him in prison. And it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. So they're in prison for preaching the gospel. It's just a reminder that even obedience can lead to negative consequence. But never let the negative consequence that is a result of your obedience cause you to doubt your obedience. Because doesn't that happen sometimes? That we're trying to honor God and we're living in obedience and we're doing all the right things and we're following Jesus and we're reading our Bibles and we're going to church, but we still don't have enough money. Our relationships are still struggling. Like we still have these things. I don't know if anybody ever told you that following Jesus was going to make your life easier, they lied to you. You've heard me say it to our church a thousand times. Following Jesus does not make your life easier. It makes it better. And they're in prison and they start praying. They're in chains. They're locked up. They can't go anywhere. And they don't complain, they worship. Man, I think that's a good plan. What if when things don't go our way, or things don't turn out like we thought they would or hoped they would, what if our first reaction was to worship and not complain? And I'll be honest with you, I've complained a lot through this. Anybody else say amen? Amen from everybody. Okay, thank you. They begin to worship and they begin to sing. And did you notice what it said? That all the other prisoners were paying attention. That when people who know Jesus are going through things that are difficult, people who don't know Jesus are paying attention to how they're reacting. The world is watching us now more than ever. And they begin to pray and they begin to sing. And all of a sudden, an earthquake happens and everybody's chains fall off. In verse 27, the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. 
because he thought the prisoners had escaped. So all this is happening and the guard, the one in charge, the one responsible for making sure these people stay in jail. Notice what has happened, that everybody's chains have fallen off. And he knows that if they come and find him and know that he has let all of these people escape, he's going to die anyway. So his first reaction is just to take his own life. Verse 28. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Wait, what? See, sometimes we read the Bible too fast. Paul, you're in prison for no reason. You're in jail for doing the right thing. You're worshiping, praising Jesus. Your chains fall off. And you didn't rush out. You didn't think, great, our prayer worked. I'm free and I'm out. He stays. And he sees this guard about to take his own life. Now, he, he could have thought, oh, well, I'm out. I was praising and I was singing. I've been wanting to be out of this thing. I've been wanting to be free. I've been wanting to rush out of these chains. I've been wanting to rush back. I've been wanting to get out of this bondage. And right now, I'm too busy celebrating my freedom to pay attention to this man. But Paul didn't. See, defiance says, my chains are gone, I'm out. Obedience says, there's somebody here that needs Jesus, so I better stay. I want that just to sink into your spirit a little bit. That in that moment, another man's salvation took priority over Paul's own freedom. Does that say anything to anybody about the priority of mission in Paul's life? I mean, this is the very man, this was probably the man who locked him in his chains. This could have been the very man who put the cuffs on Paul when he went into that sale. I don't know about you, but that, that would have bothered me a little bit. I might have been a little bit bitter. So bitter that when it was time to come, I would have bounced instead of stayed. Because defiance says, you put me in chains when I didn't belong here anyway. So you're probably a terrible person. So I'm just going to go. Good luck. But no, he stays. And he goes, look what happened. <laughs> says, the jailer, verse 29, called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before, before Paul and Silas. You know what I think moved the jailer's heart? Not was the miracle of the chains falling off. That this jailer is not captivated by what's happening because some men who were in chains were now, now set free. It's no, it's that they were free and yet they stayed. That there had to be something so unique and so different about these men that this Jesus that they were worshiping was so much bigger than what they were going through in that moment that it so moved the heart of the jailer, he had to know more. 
See, I think it's really easy to read this story and think what caught the man's attention was the fact that the chains were gone. It wasn't that the chains were gone. It was that Paul was still there. Look what he says. He says he, he then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? It's just that a reminder that obedience will always require you to pay more attention to what others need than what you want. Anybody else ever learned that lesson? That walking in obedience to Jesus will always cause you to pay more attention to what others need than what you want. There's, I could give you example after example after example in Scripture. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, put others above yourselves. There's so many examples in Scripture that right now, in this moment, as much as Paul desired to be free, to be out of those chains, to move out of that jail, there was a jailer who needed Jesus, and that took priority. And when defiance said go, obedience said, no, you need to stay. Now, if I've learned anything this week is people can start, people, wanna, people would rather parse our words than know our hearts. And I'm not saying by any means that we need to stay in quarantine. That we need to, I'm not saying any of those things. What I'm saying is when we get to the point when we're so frustrated with our circumstances that our lives are driven more out of an attitude of defiance than a spirit of obedience, then God cannot accomplish all that he desires in our lives. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Come on, church, talk to me. I'm glad I got some people in the room. Like, I, I don't want to be in this place where I'm only doing things because I'm mad or I'm only doing things because... I don't want to be told what to do. I'm just living in this spirit because it's a dangerous place to be. And so many of us have spent our lives in that space where we're just, and, and, and maybe it's, it's, it's somewhat explainable because what we've experienced in life has been so hurtful and painful and frustrating that we've just, we've just built this defiant spirit and it's the way we protect ourselves it's the way we guard our hearts but when we when we live a life driven out of a spirit of obedience that's where God can work that's where God can use us that's where God can do miracles he says what must we do to be saved, and they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Verse 33 says, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. He went from putting chains on their wrists to washing their wounds. The, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them and was filled with joy because he had believed in God. 
he and his whole household. Like here's a man and his whole family that end up with hope and joy in Jesus. And I just think what would have happened if Paul would have been so riddled. You can't, if he would have let those chains, that captivity, that bondage, create in him such a spirit of anger and defiance that as soon as his chains came loose, his only concern was to run instead of stay. Where would this man and his family have been? And I don't want my defiance to be the driving force in my life in such a way that we're not as effective as we could be as a church. Paul would later write a letter to this church in Philippi. You know it, Philippians. Go with me to Philippians chapter 1. And you see that Paul somehow managed to protect his attitude in the aftermath of every situation. When Paul writes Philippians, he's back in that familiar place. He's in chains. He's in prison. And I want you just to hear his words. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 says, Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Verse 20 says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by my life or by death. He says, here I am again. My obedience has once again put me in chains. But I know that if I continue to live out and act in obedience, that even now God will use me. These chains will not limit me. They will be something that I leverage to continue to advance his kingdom. And then he says in verse 27, when he's talking to the people who can easily get discouraged as to what's happening, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Leave that verse up, y'all. Whatever happens, You know what that means? Whatever happens. Whatever happens. Whatever happens. No matter the consequence, no matter the cost. No matter how frustrated you get, no matter what you've lost, no matter what you've gained. Like whatever happens, whatever opinion you have, whatever side you lay on, whatever they're posting or whatever they're saying or whatever's being done, whatever happens, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Be obedient. Don't let all the things that are happening around you build in you an attitude of pure defiance to where that's what becomes the driving force in your life. 
but instead live out in loving obedience because that's where God can work. That's what God can use. And even in chains, bound again, and Paul says, I might die in here, but if I do, I'm not wavering. In my defiance, I won't yell at my guards. I won't mistreat them. I I will continue to live out the love that Jesus has put in my heart. No matter what happens. I don't care how over it I am. I do not have an excuse to live in disobedience to my God. In any way, in any form, in any fashion. And church, if we really want to see God work in the aftermath, we have to stay driven by obedience. Let's pray. Father, I feel like that we as a people that I personally am in a really vulnerable place right now because God, we're over it. And it's getting to the point now where we're not sure what to do and so we just want to do what we want to do. And God, we don't want to do what we want to do. We want to do what you want us to do. And we live in a time where we're struggling just to find that. So God, help us to retreat to your word to lean into your spirit so that we can ensure that the life that we live is in obedience to you. And if that obedience leads to defiance, we're fine with that. But obedience will take precedent over defiance at every turn. God, help us, Jesus, to lean into your voice in this loud world to focus on what you're whispering into our spirit. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.